sets up everything. The Stanley Cup final is set, and in a shocking turn of events, the two best teams actually made it. There's so much to talk about this week. Can Colorado actually overcome the Mike Tyson's punch-out level final boss they're about to face? Is Andre Vasilevsky a god walking among us? Are the Boston Bruins beginning a rebuild, or are they just stupid? Which of Letty, Huso, Perron, and Tarasenko will be with the Blues next season? And is Poppy the dog actor really as good a boy as people think he is? It's a lot to dig through, so let's get started and let's go, go Power Rangers. podcast it is saturday sunday june 12th <laughs> good start we're back again it's been a while um because it's the off season now and there are no rules anymore That's but right. also because you know stuff has been crazy ian's been moving to a new house that he owns well i mean technically the bank owns for the next yeah, 30 years <laughs> I'm, buy- I'm buying it back from the bank slowly for the next 30 years i'm sure people know how houses work right yeah right exactly um but unless you're one of those crazy people that buys the house in cash yeah They're just like oh here you go let me shell out four hundred thousand dollars man if you got that kind of money though do it you know that's I mean, yeah that's legit uh how is it you happy? You excited? It's nice. Yeah, I'm, I'm enjoying a lot. It's a lot nicer now that we have most things put away. Yeah. I am one of those people that, like, I have to put stuff away because if I'm in a place for longer than, like, a week and there's boxes everywhere still, and like, gives me anxiety. I'm like, I'm a person, this shouldn't be here. I'm a suit, suit or a, a hotel room um, dresser user. Mm. I feel like that's big for me is, is getting to unpack the suitcase. I mean, if I'm there a day or two, mm. I, you know, I probably won't, but anything longer than that, I'm using that, using that dresser because I don't want to live out of a box. <laughs> um, Ian, that's right. we, since, you know, we've got a little less to cover today and we've got to go all over the place. I wanted to start with the story about what a basic white nerd I am. <laughs> go for so, it. I have a, a friend coming in to Jacksonville tonight as correspondent Jordan for people who uh, are familiar, who, which is no one, but you know, <laughs> um, they might know the, the name, the, the folklore of this podcast. Um, and I am not a coffee drinker much um, or really at all, but Jordan is a big coffee drinker. So to be a proper host, I wanted to make sure he was taken care of to get this coffee, to get his coffee fixed. Very nice of you. Right. I try to be, you know, I try to be um, considerate. So, but here, here's where the basicness comes in to all of it, because in my head, it's like, sure, I could get him some, you know, perfectly good Starbucks coffee from the grocery store or some other kind, you know, Folgers or whoever, but yeah. he's coming to Jacksonville. I should find a local Jacksonville you know, coffee maker that mm-hmm. makes coffee that he can have while he's here. That'd be like a special experience for him. So I decide this. And um, this morning I went to meet a friend, a local friend for breakfast. And then I drove up the road 20 minutes to go to this coffee shop that a friend recommended and get some coffee from them. So 
I uh, grab a bag of coffee and Ian, here's how, here's how I think. All right. I think don't just get the bag of coffee. You'll look weird. So order a drink too. So <laughs> I ordered a small tea as well. So, you know, it makes it seem like I came in for the small tea and the coffee just occurred to me while I was there, you know, Ian, I did not carefully read the signage around this what cannot even be a half pound bag of coffee. So when she rang that bag of coffee up, it was $30. <laughs> That's and, just inflation. And no part of me, no, there's no instinct in my body to go, oh, no, 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 that's too much. I'll go down the road, you know? I can't, oh, I've, yeah. I've already handed it to her. I'm in now. The, we have consented to this transaction as soon as I've handed it over the counter to her. So right. I've got the coffee and the tea. And now, now, Ian, now the little iPad is asking me to tip 10%, 15%, 20%, but not just on the tea, which this woman is actually going to do something something on and work on, but on the tea and the coffee. So here I am tipping 15% on the tea and the coffee. And I have now paid fully $40 to get this local bag of coffee. And here's the kicker on top of all of it. It's, it's coffee beans and the whole coffee delivery system that I got him is pour over, uh, mm. which as I understand it, I'm not an expert, requires coffee grounds. So when I go to Target, which is my next stop of the morning, I have to buy an electric coffee grinder <laughs> for an additional $20. <laughs> so I have now spent $60 to get this man three cups of coffee over the next few weeks. And that doesn't even count the price of the kettle, the electric kettle that I got, which I won't count to his name because I'll also use it to drink tea and the pour over coffee, uh, you know, whatever you call that device, carafe, um, which, you know, all, all told, I'm in like $100 to get this man a cup of coffee. <laughs> you better like this coffee. He's going to be like, when this I, is all right. When he was very queerly was like, you know, I can just find a cafe nearby. It's no big deal. And I'm like, no, 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 I will take care of this man you, that I am. Do you know if this is the right kind, like the right blend? Is the kind I, of blend he wants? I did ask whether okay. he was light roast, medium roast, dark roast. But here's the problem. This bag is not labeled. <laughs> <laughs> it's just the one kind of coffee that they have <laughs> so <laughs> it better be time. good it's, it if it comes out time. and it's dark roast i'm going to weep i'm just gonna fall down <laughs> on the floor and cry um and yeah. so that's the story of how i spent a hundred dollars on a cup of coffee that wasn't for me <laughs> i i definitely feel that pain of getting something rung up and it's more than you want if it's like a way more than i'm like oh no this is like a hundred dollars more no thank you yeah. if it's like twenty dollars more than i want to pay i've i feel so anxious and saying oh no never mind on that yeah. thing as yeah. if i'm telling them like this thing you personally made that you definitely didn't make i hate it get it away from me uh-huh and I'm yeah, like, exactly. these people are like, if you don't want this, I don't give a shit. I will literally just no, put it behind me. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I don't want to give you the inconvenience. <laughs> I don't want to offend you. Um, yeah. And 
it's just like don't extend my social interaction anymore either mm. you know when i was after at the target that i went to as i was leaving i ran into a co-worker at this mm. target which was kind of odd because it's like 25 minutes from our office um but it is like one of the closest targets to the office and uh he and his wife and kid were there and he was asking me you know, if I had anything big going on for the rest of the weekend. And instead of saying, oh, actually, I've got a friend coming in from St. Louis. That's going to be kind of fun. I was just like, no, <laughs> because to, in my head, that seemed more like what I was supposed to say. You know, <laughs> like, don't tell the truth. Just give him the answer that you think that he might be expecting. From you, you, really, you, know? you want to stick to the mold. And don't now all mold. week I've got to act like I don't have a friend here. So, <laughs> so you're not a liar. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Who's this, Stephen? Oh, this is, I, I just met this guy. <laughs> what is your name? <laughs> so yeah, that was my, uh, that was my fantastically strange morning. Um, but I, you know, I went to Publix and I got a bag of banana chips and that's all going to be all right. So I feel like Publix. Yeah, Publix is nice. Down here, it's weird. They don't do, I, as I understand it, I haven't actually researched this, but they don't do like grocery sales tax. Mm -hmm. I don't know if they do like value added tax to it because the first time I went to Publix down here, I was looking at the items and like, you know, which I never, I never look at the price of things usually because again i'm i'm a child basically <laughs> but i'm walking through and i was looking at it and i was like god those are all more expensive way more expensive than st louis mm. um and i guess i guess i must have looked at the prices before because i knew what they would have been in st louis and then when i got to the register it was about the same and somebody explained to me that it's because they don't take sales tax at point of sale which i think is great you know yeah. so People That's right fair. now, the folks need a break. They can't all be um, rich members of the bourgeoisie like me buying a hundred dollars of coffee. <laughs> you know, some folks are really strong. This is so. gonna be this is gonna make you a coffee drinker because you're gonna mm -hmm. you drink a little bit and you're like, I gotta finish this, or yeah, it's gonna stay in that apartment until you leave. <laughs> <laughs> And I sure hope that coffee can also fuel my Toyota RAV4 because otherwise I have no gas money. <laughs> um, you know, we, I thought we should give the people uh, a story for the morning um, before cool. we launch Insane. into it. Ian, both of us also wearing uh, orange shirts today. That's you're, right. you're modeling a, a nice Dragon Ball Z, I'm assuming. I'm only seeing oh, like yeah, a, yeah, a, yeah. an eighth of the circle. Perfect. You knew. And you knew. Mine actually a little more peachy, I guess, but it looks oranger on the camera. So I'm going to call it orange. Um, the flyers, you know, big that's ups right. to the flyers. <laughs> As we all should, the prolific um, Philadelphia flyers. I read, I'm going to be honest, one of the, one of my favorite hockey tweets I think I've ever read last night when, um, <laughs> when Mike Stevens tweeted the flyers saying that my, that, uh, um, Barry Trotz is on their list of finalists for head coach is like me saying that Florence Pugh is on my list of finalists to be my wife. <laughs> I know. I'm like, does Barry Trotz know? Does Barry Trotz yeah. care? <laughs> Have exactly. you been interviewed Barry Trotz? I mean, I suppose anybody, I suppose an organization like, um, like the Flyers could just throw like $12 million a season at, um very strong convince them to come there but like beyond that it's like how could you possibly think that 
he's a finalist for your job that's how the flyers got to where they are that's their their team motto you certainly could (laughs) and that's where they are now um does it ever go ahead no 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 you go i I was just gonna say does it ever scare you how andre vasilevsky is literally the final boss of the nhl Oh yeah, like, I mean the whole the whole Tampa Bay Lightning <laughs> top six and I mean as good top as four pairing or yeah, but as good as the Lightning are, yeah, have, his stats in in series clinching games, right now his last eight, he has a nine ninety one <laughs> save percentage. Oh my god, a zero point two five goals against average. And six of the eight starts were shutouts. How? Oh, How can you be as good? This is this was something that always scared me with Albert Pujols because, like, Albert when he was in his prime would occasionally like he'd get brushed back by a pitch or something, and like you could almost guarantee that the next the, the next pitch over the plate was a home run. Like he yeah. he just he had anger in his veins and he could hit it to the moon, and it always scared me and the same is true with Vasilevsky how an athlete can already be that dominant and mm. already be literally the best person to play his position in like our lifetime and still somehow have another level that he takes it to mm. that you know when like no offense to him because we love him but like when David Perron finds another level it's not like it's a level that no one has ever played at before you know like (laughs) David Perron's next level is still a step down for Connor McDavid you know but like (laughs) Andre Vasilevsky's next level is inconceivable that's like no one no one has ever played I bet no one's ever played eight consecutive just regular season games with those kinds of numbers, let alone like series clinching playoff games. It's, it's unbelievable. A nine ninety one save percentage. I feel like there's and, a lot of like NHL talking heads that will say like, you know, I think it's even Merrick sometimes and like 32 thoughts would be like, you know, there's, there's not really like a goalie out there. That's like, you know, the definitive like best goalie or blah, 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 yeah, or something it, along those lines. I'm like, dude, wrong. for real. Yeah, I think Vasilevsky easily. I think Andre Vasilevsky is right up in the conversation for the best goaltender of all time. Already, yeah. I was like, if they, if that's what they think, then this is going to be one of those like um, hindsight is twenty twenty, and it's going to be like, yeah, they're like we slept like he was. We already knew how good he was, and we like still managed to like sleep on him somehow. Yeah, like his his stats for his career. Like his career is like a nine nineteen, which is pretty good for your career. Like almost nine twenty. That's like that's like really good just career wise. Yeah. Like nothing insanity level. So sometimes I sort of get when people are like, "Well, he's very very good," and maybe he's not. Um, I don't. Know, maybe he's like consistent, but like a low a slow burn, slow and low burn consistent. But the thing is, like you're saying, it's like those games when it counts. The biggest games are when he is like on a another level you've never seen before and like mm-hmm. that's that's the biggest difference between I mean that's what you need out of a goalie period out of like any player but especially your goalie and it's insane that he's been doing this for the for I mean his career but the last three years in a row I mean the Lightning haven't lost a series <laughs> since 2018 mm-hmm. like they, they it's 
it's insane to me that um, that guy doesn't get as much as much talking about as he should. Like, I think it's also the I fact think... that there's a lot of good players on the Lightning. You know, Sam Kostkutra, Point, Edmund, all these different guys. But like, somehow, as much as people will be like Vasilevsky's a great goalie, I think they still don't give him his due. I think Vasilevsky. Um should be talked about the same way we talk about Connor McDavid. Like, like, I don't know how it's, it's insane. And like you said, I guess, I guess the nine nineteen isn't like, you know, if, if he had like a nine forty career save percentage, he'd probably get talked about even more, but like a nine nineteen with a two fifty goals against average and he's led the league and wins five seasons in a row. And yeah, he's on a really good team, but like he already has a Vesna trophy. He already has a con Smythe. He already has two Stanley cups. He's, you know, very much could be in position for a third Stanley cup and a second con Smythe. Um, the six wins in elimination games or serious quenching games or six shutouts, excuse me, is already uh, an NHL record. Um, you know, he holds all the Tampa Bay franchise records for goaltenders, like literally all of them. Um, I think <laughs> just like, I think he's like what 18 and one now because the Rangers yeah. won two in a row. So he's 18 and one and like winning a game after losing a game in the playoffs now. Mm-hmm. So like, yeah, he lost the one or the second one, uh, in this Rangers series, but like, that's it 18 and one in that. That's yeah. That's ridiculous. That was the, I mean, that was kind of like what Jordan Bennington um, in 2019, but for the last three years for this guy, um, it's, it's insane. And I mean, I don't know if we can, we can kind of loop in Colorado here now that we know that the finals are the Colorado avalanche and the, the Tampa Bay lightning, but like I ping pong back and forth on this series only because sometimes like Colorado is really good. And I was thinking today, I'm like, has, has Tampa seen a Colorado? And I was like, I think they have, though. They've seen the Toronto Maple Leafs, and they beat the Toronto Maple Leafs, and they beat them when they weren't even playing that well, the mm-hmm. Tampa Bay Lightning, that is. And it's like, I think the Colorado Avalanche have a very good shot, probably the best shot of any team Tampa's played thus far. But I still think there's like, you've been there two times in a row and you made it there again. I know it's hard to win four more games, but at the same time you've made it this far, I almost think Tampa, like, I have a really hard time picking Colorado. I do. Cause the thing is Tampa has seen a Colorado in the Toronto Maple Leafs. I don't think Colorado has seen a Tampa. Like the closest they've come is the Nobody's. Blues. And that's, be, yeah, and that's yeah, been yeah. very, that'd be very generous and nice of you to be, to be compare the Blues to Tampa. <laughs> that would but be like, extremely, extremely kind. <laughs> that's what I mean though. Like that's the closest they've, Colorado has seen to a Tampa Bay Lightning team. And now, mm. and now they have a face these guys and it's just, I don't know if they, if anyone can do it, it's Colorado. But at the same time, I just think there's such a difference in who Colorado has played thus far versus who Tampa has played. And yeah. when you have Tampa and they've been there two years in a row, this is their third year. And you got to take a page out of like the Elliott Friedman playbook and be like, I, I don't know that I can bet against Tampa at this point. Like I would, I would, I'd almost be stupid. If you're not like a Colorado Avalanche fan, I really do think like you're going to be like, well, I mean, honestly, the Colorado Avalanche are very good. So that's them. It's like, you can bet that, 
but like <laughs> given the past history you know given what we've seen so far given what we've seen the last two years and what we've seen the last three series like that's hard and that's crazy to say because the colorado avalanche are not some shit team <laughs> they're great they're, they're, are, they're the best team in the league except for the one they're facing exactly know? like yeah they are so good and yet I can look at the, the Tampa Bay Lightning that they're not going to beat Tampa. Like, it's just, it's, it's crazy. If Tampa wins three in a row, like, I mean, they're already pretty much, I mean, to, in my eyes, even if they lose this cup to Colorado, they're already like a dynasty. Like, if they win three in a row, that's like, that's the biggest dynasty you've had since the 80s. Like, I know you can have, you can have the two Kings wins, you know, the three um Chicago Blackhawks wins and yeah or the two Pittsburgh wins like those are all in there for sure but like this would I think for me be like the most dominant team since yeah whoever it was the Islanders in the 80s winning like four in a row three in a row like and it's insane because it's in a cap era where they've had to like blow I mean they haven't had to blow this team up but they've lost their whole third line they've had to definitely like swing you know have a wheel of bodies bring new guys in and they always manage to do it and it's it's crazy. I mean, I'm really excited for this series because I do think, like I said, the Avalanche have the best shot of anybody. Um, and I think it's definitely not like, it's not a Tampa versus Montreal. It's not a Tampa versus Dallas. Those were kind of, you know, eh, well, I guess maybe in hindsight, you didn't know that Tampa was going to for sure be Dallas. But like, I can't imagine anyone anymore was thinking like, well, Montreal's got a real good shot. <laughs> um <laughs> So, I mean, this will be the most, I think this will be the most exciting final for me since the Blues were in it. Um, yeah. I mean, I mean, that's exciting. I don't disagree with that, anything you've said really about the, um, uh, you know, about the basic feeling I have about the Avalanche, but it, it does feel like the first time in, I don't know, ever that it feels like we're getting the two best teams mm-hmm. in the Stanley Cup final, like the, the final we really deserve. And I realized, I guess the, I think the Flames, didn't the Flames win the President's Trophy or did Tampa win it? it somebody won it that wasn't. Florida. The ass, right. Florida, yeah. yeah. Um, but like, um, you know, the Flames may have been first in the conference. I can't remember, but like, I think what we've seen in the playoffs has proven pretty much that um, the Az are the better team. And it's insane. Ian, it is insane, but not unjustifiable that we're looking at a team that made the Stanley Cup final in 14 games, mm-hmm. two, two sweeps and a six-game series, and we're talking about them as huge underdogs. <laughs> but I don't right. think it's unreasonable. I, the only thing, like the only thing that that Colorado has going for it that I think is unlike anything that the um, Lightning have had to deal with at any previous point is Kale McCarr. I mm-hmm. mean, he's on another level. He's so much better. Like, he he is also a guy that we should be talking about the way we should be talking about Vasilevsky, which is the way we do talk about Connor. <laughs> like, <laughs> last like, year's last year's. I those, those three guys are forward defense and goaltender a step ahead and maybe some shoulders above anyone else at their position. And it's insane that Makar is so young and has already proven that, but he's proven Mm -hmm. it. Like who could you argue 
that is anywhere as good as Victor Hedman is, as good as Roman Yossi is, as good as Adam Fox is, who could you argue is even in Kale McCarr's stratosphere at this point, you know? And yeah, like, this is definitely like a coming out year or like yeah. this whole playoffs has been. Yeah, and I just feel like he's going to provide a different challenge. Nathan McKinnon is probably the best forward that the, well, that's not true because they had Austin Matthews. <laughs> like, yeah. Again, like you're right. They, but Nathan McKinnon is really good. And that top line is, he really is different. Good. He is different. But you know, the Kale McCarr is the only thing that really differentiates the, the avalanche from the Maple Leafs. And um I just don't see, I, I'm, I will admit, and I know this will be unpopular in St. Louis after what happened, but I'm kind of pulling for the Avs here. I am going to be living with Avs correspondent Jordan for a few days. Maybe that's why, but like, <clears throat> I think that team's great. And, you know, they've been on the cusp for a few years and, and a lot of players on that team should get a cup, but like without Kadri, without, um, Gerard and with the goaltending situation they've got, I just don't know how the Avs can possibly climb the mountain that is Tampa Bay. It's yeah, just like, such an unfair ask. It's like it's it's justified in the sense that like it feels right that you should get to the Stanley Cup final and play the hardest team, mm-hmm. but it's so wrong that you just you know, manhandled Connor McDavid and the Oilers for four games. And now you've got to friggin' deal with this <laughs> just juggernaut of a, of a franchise. And I guess the only thing they've got going for them is the rest. But even that people will be like, but that's not an advantage. That's actually a disadvantage. Mm-hmm. So it's like, it's, um, it's going to be a fun series. Like, I don't think it's going to be a sweep or anything by any means, but like, I would be pretty surprised if the avalanche did it. And, and I guess I shouldn't say surprise, but like if the avalanche win the Stanley cup, they have truly won the Stanley cup. That's what I'll say. If you're, (laughs) if you can take a positive or a big positive away from that. Yeah. If you're the avalanche and you beat the Tampa Bay lightning, like there's no, there's there's no asterisk. There can't even be like a fake fun little rivalry in Nashville's like, yeah, well, we didn't have blah 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 in the lineup. So it's like, no, yeah. there's nothing. You beat the Tampa Bay Lightning in the Stanley Cup final. It's like the the most championship championship you could have championshiped. <laughs> like you just you did it. And I do want to say a quick word to Blues fans out there because I feel like this conversation needs to be had. Oh, um, yeah. we weren't gonna beat the avalanche even if we had jordan bennington and even if we beat the avalanche we would not have handled connor mcdavid the same way kale mccarr and (laughs) the colorado avalanche handled connor mcdavid so i've seen a little bit too much whining about like oh the playoff format and oh the it's like all right guys like could we have gone to game seven with Jordan Bennington playing out of his mind? Sure, maybe. Hmm. Could we have beaten the Avalanche? I don't think so, but sure, maybe. Could we have survived Connor McDavid if we, if all of these ifs that I've already ifed had, <laughs> had been ifed 
sure, maybe. But then we're talking about us the same way we're talking about K- uh, the Colorado Avalanche going against the Lightning. <laughs> Except we don't have Kale McCarr and Nathan McKenna. <laughs> so, I'd have even less. I'd have even less yeah, confidence. Yeah. So it's like I just I'm I'm a little upset. I'm a little disappointed at the uh, at the um, kind of whining and moaning I've heard from some boys fans, especially because guys, we won our cup. So like hmm. you know, and we'll have other opportunities to do it again. Like we've, I feel like we should have evolved out of that stage of the franchise. And now we're just a team that has some self-respect and self-confidence. And, and I've seen a little bit too much of the, you know, um, the feather flashing. That's not what I wanted. Hand wringing uh, Mm. to be, you know, for my taste, I would say. Oh yeah. I mean, I think you can pat yourself on the back for being like, Hey, we're the only team thus far to hand the avalanche any losses. And like, yeah, that's pretty good. You know, I think that, I think think that's great. But like, yeah, but then to be like, so we were really just like one step behind them. Like, well, just because you beat them twice doesn't mean you're like right behind them. We're a, yeah. we're a distant second. Um, but yeah, it's, it, I'm glad, I'm, I'm glad that we were a team that was able to do that, but I don't think we were, we were all that close. Like you said, yeah. I think Kiel McCarr, we, we ain't got that. And then to your point, I think that is like, he is a huge, he's like the X factor for, the uh the avalanche there and i will i'll even say like i think i think this series suggests that um or the way this postseason has played out suggests that we're much closer to the top of the western conference than i thought we were because i don't think i think the flames were a bit of a paper tiger um Mm. with you know the pacific division and how they looked in the playoffs and now they're probably you know, probably going to lose Johnny Goudreau. Probably if they keep Johnny Goudreau, aren't going to keep Matthew Kachuk. Like something major is, is likely right. to change there. Um, and the Golden Knights, who knows what they're going to come back with. I mean, will they be better than last season? Sure. But do I think that they've shot themselves in the foot too much by being too desperate to win right now? And now they're in the like decline of their of their potential cup window absolutely i do you know like um and the oilers have still have two guys and ken holland's running the team so they're just gonna have two guys next (laughs) season too like that's so sad with respect to guys who stepped up and and played a role like um you know uh nugent hopkins and and hyman and and um uh who am i forgetting there's one more guy that i want to say his name pui arby um mm. I, th- I feel like there's another one too but anyway with respect to those guys and i know darnell nurse was playing with a like a horribly torn mm. labrum hip flexor hip yeah. flexor which sounds like how like okay. Need your hips. all right this is another conversation i know we're kind of going all over the place but like stop guys stop stop hockey needs to stop <laughs> with this they, they just need to stop. I, it, the entire postseason, people have been saying, Darnell Lurse looks like fucking shit out there. He looks terrible. This guy's awful. And then at the end of the season, as we always do, we find out he's playing with a torn hip flexor, which I, I'm not an expert in either skating or uh, physiology, but I'm going to assume that a torn hip flexor is going to really hamper your lateral <laughs> movements. I'm just going out on a limb 
probably your back skating too. Probably all your fucking skating. So stop playing. How are I'm sorry, but like, how is Darnell Nurse, who again, everyone was constantly saying looked like crap? Mm-hmm. How is that guy playing, presumably in agony, better than even whoever the Oilers can come up with? Mm-hmm. Not to mention the risk of worse injury, I assume. I mean, I guess the doctors aren't going to clear. No, no, screw it. The doctors are going to clear whoever for whatever. Well, that's the thing. They're already, they're already clearing like... him with a torn hip flexor. So it's yeah. not like. You know, the NHL doctors, they need to do a third party thing or something. They need to figure something out because like these doctors who are clearly motivated to tell the team what they want to hear have got to stop. That's insane. Well, it's also like I know I know they know the context of like their job. But like if you're like, yeah, you're clear and you can definitely play. It's like, okay, well, can you play well? It's like, well, I didn't say that. He can play though. And it's like, yeah, yeah exactly. Like, sure, he can skate, he can he can pivot, he can turn. It's like, can he do it at an NHL level? Oh, no, 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 no. But he, he can, can still do it at an NHL there. level. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's it is crazy. It, like if you're if you're Leon Dreisaitl and you're playing through it, but you're getting like 30 points in 15 games, okay, sure. Or you're you know, you've got like your foot sore or you broke something, but like, hey, did you playing through it and you actually played like okay fine but some of these guys yeah are so injured and it's super obvious and they look like ass and it's like then get them out of there and really and like you said if you're super injured and you're actually playing well you risk you know making that injury way worse and like fucking with your team down the road anyways yeah and also it's like okay a high ankle sprain is brutal which is what Leandro Settle had mm-hmm. there painful as hell. He was obviously in a lot of pain. And it's obviously gonna affect how he plans some pivots and all sorts of stuff. But first of all, we saw the results on the ice. He was still the most dominant player in the playoffs, apart from his teammate McDavid. And it's not like it's not like a it's not like a torn hip flexor in like like a hip a, a hip flexor. Like, literally, you can't. Like, you physically cannot do the things that a healthy NHL hockey player can do because your muscle is torn. It's like, I just, uh, I don't know how this, it's just the, and it's like, nobody's going to stop it because it's the tough guy culture, right? It's that mentality of like, I can't let the team down. Even if I'm actively letting the team down by playing like garbage, Mm -hmm. I can't let the team down by saying I'm too hurt to go. You know, this is my dream. I got to do this. And it's like, that's good, I guess, whatever. But like, God forbid Leon Dreisaitl next season come back and isn't the same player because he spent the better part of a month, a month plus playing on like an ankle that was falling off. And Darnell Mm -hmm. Nurse, like Darnell Nurse is going to cripple that franchise if he can't return to 100% health. And you're going to tell me that was worth it to get swept out of the third round? Like, sure, it's worth it if you win a cup, but you're not going to win a cup because you're playing on a torn hip flexor and a half broken ankle. (laughs) Like, Mm -hmm. it's just, I, I, I don't get it. You know, Braden Shin was another one. What, what he had like a like two or three I, ribs broken or something. Several yeah. ribs broken and didn't he have like a knee thing or something too? Mm. I swear he had like a muscle thing too. And it's like 
he looked like crap. Everybody said he looked like crap. He wasn't scoring. He wasn't doing anything. And people are, and I, I see these people online and I know they exist. And I don't, you know, every hockey is for everyone, but like, that's not a comment about who hockey is for everyone is actually <laughs> aimed at. But like these people who are like, oh, but he was the only blues player throwing his body around. And it's like, yeah, because that's literally all he could yeah. do. He couldn't skate and make defensive plays and score goals and set up goals the way he normally would. And I'm not taking, I'm not talking crap at Braden Shen. And listen, all of these guys are a thousand times tougher than me. I'm not suggesting anything to the contrary. All I am saying is that like how is having a player who actively looks terrible on the ice helping your team win the Stanley Cup? I don't like that's the box that I cannot check. I, I can't connect the dots on that logic. Mm-hmm. You know, and Braden Shin, like who will we replace him with? Nathan Walker, James Neal, Dakota Joshua, like, no, those aren't good options, but you know what? They're healthy options. (laughs) They're able to like skate and be in positions and think, and it's also, it's also your decision-making because you're in pain and you're thinking about how you're in pain and you're trying to make decisions at a, at the pace of a game that moves like 30 miles an hour or whatever. Mm. And like even a split second delay of thinking, Oh God, that really hurts is enough to cost you whatever. Like it's, uh, I'm sorry, I'm ranting about this too much, but it's just like, it's, it's insane to me. Like you said, Drysaddle's one thing. He's out there. He's dominating. He's playing through the pain. That makes him a hero. But like you watch these guys who are visibly, visibly unable to like play hockey and everyone in the sport is commentating saying they look like crap. What's wrong with Darnell Nurse? What's wrong with Braden Shim? What's wrong with whoever? And then and the post-game press conference, we hear that these guys are like physically handicapped and we're all supposed to stand up and cheer about how brave <laughs> they've been. And it's I like, know. what the, what is this system? I just don't understand it. Every so, so often too, I'm like brave. Like I get it. Like this is a tough guy sport, but like brave for playing a sport. Like, I don't know. I'm just like, it's good for him. And you, and you showed up and you didn't, you know, call in sick, but also like, whatever man like if it fucking hurts and you're like man my fucking knees feels awful like don't play and i'm not gonna be like you piece of shit you pussy i'll be like yeah that makes sense your knees blown out uh yeah yeah. now with all that said i do want to be very clear that i still think cody rhodes is the baddest (laughs) mf'er on the planet for wrestling a full hell in a cell match with a completely torn pec muscle uh but that was that's a predetermined sport so you know i don't mean to ruin it this for anybody but the guy he was out there against he was actually cooperating <laughs> to cause him as little pain as possible team sport and make him look good that's not as, as much as it may have looked like the uh oilers were cooperating with the avalanche <laughs> to make them look good they actually weren't um and so or at least mike smith looked like he was um <laughs> that's right so uh so yeah, that's uh, that's my rant for the day. I'll probably go on more rants. I'm actually about to because um, Bruce Cassidy was fired, and Ian, what the fuck? Yeah, what was well, this? What is this? What is this creepy business? <laughs> I what? <laughs> what happened here? This all has to be like behind closed door stuff because I think everyone was scratching their head when the Bruins fired Bruce Cassidy because it just. 
didn't make sense given, you know, at least the recent results of the last three or four years. They've been a good team with with aging stars. Um, I mean, they've obviously made it to the final against the Blues. And this year wasn't their year, but I don't think they had like a bad season. I don't think he's like a bad coach. I don't think people, I don't think that fan base dislikes him really much at all. Like I think for the most part, Bruins fans really like Bruce Cassidy. They don't like their front office, who I believe is is the one you're pointing fingers at at this point. Um, God, it's like two guys, Don Sweeney and the other one. Um, Bam Neely. Yeah, that's right. Neely and Sweeney. They don't they don't like those two. Uh, I mean, Bruce Cassidy is now a, a UFA. He's he's out there with everybody else looking for a job with like the six or seven or eight teams that need coaches. But yeah, if you're a Bruins fan, this is like, I don't know, unless you get like Barry Trotz or something like this just feels like not the right move. I know there's been a lot of talk amongst um, other NHL media that are more in the know that this could be, you know, due to the fact that like he's, the message has gone stale after being there three, four or five years that the, um, younger players aren't necessarily a big fan of him. I know that there was like rumors that it was like Patrice Bergeron said he wasn't going to like resign there. Bruce Cassidy was still the coach, but good on Bruce Cassidy for coming out and hosting his own press conference essentially over Zoom and dispelling a lot of this. I think I think Friedman said that the the younger players not really liking Cassidy is like supposedly an actual issue, but again. That's not like that can be an issue, but it's not like a glaring issue in the sense that there's lots of players on every team that don't like the coach. Mm-hmm. We had Ken Hitchcock for six years. <laughs> like the, the vast majority of the team didn't like that guy. Um, yeah. So like, but that's not necessarily always like your biggest issue. Um, but I think, you know, good for him for coming out and having his own press conference because I think what probably really irked him was hearing like, hey, Patrice Bergeron, our franchise player, says he doesn't want to come back if if I'm the coach and that's like a load of crap. And I think even Don Sweeney came out and said like, no, that's not, that's not true. Um, but yeah, it, it's, it feels weird because Bruce Cassidy, I think is a very good coach. And it's kind of like when you're trading the better player away in a trade for futures and stuff. And you're like, well, right now we've lost this trade because we definitely shipped out the better player. It's like, yeah, you're going to get a different coach. And maybe it'll work out, but like you're definitely losing like a very good coach for not really that great of reasons. <laughs> I don't know. Like you're, yeah. you kind of need to retool that whole team, anyways. Mm-hmm. So why I don't know why do you care what Jake DeBrusque thinks? Like yeah. I just feel like yeah, man, you want to. I mean, I'm not even saying it's him, but it's like if it was, but you want to leave anyways. We're not going to fire mm-hmm. Bruce Cassidy because you because <laughs> you're still here. Like yeah. I don't know. It's just it felt very odd. I mean, maybe this is just the beginning of more retooling they're going to do. Maybe they thought, man, if we're going to retool, we just need to kind of like scrap everything because it's not really working. But if they just give it to him and they're like, yeah, we're keeping everybody else, I'm like, you're definitely going to be worse. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this seems like a team that's like. Um fading like <laughs> like you know like Into the it seemed like it seemed like the Bruins dynasty was never ever going to end mm-hmm. and now it's like oh it's over I guess it's <laughs> over <laughs> it certainly seems that way I mean it seems like the front office is 
is trying their best, uh, probably unintentionally, to yeah. end this. Well, it's like the Pasternak trade stuff is wild, but like what I what I cannot see them doing under, I mean, I can see them doing it, but they absolutely should not do under any circumstances is say we're going to trade David Pasternak and then not do a full reboot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I mean, like, if you move that guy, just you're admitting you're starting over. I think this year of all years would be the year to be like, look what the Rangers did like three years ago. You know, it was probably four or five, but like four or five years ago, they wrote a letter to their fans and said, look, we're not good enough. We got to rebuild. And now they're two wins away from the Stanley cup final mm-hmm. and had this incredibly young team. And it's like, they were good last year. So they were already like fun to watch again, even if they didn't, you know, make a deep playoff run or anything. I can't even remember if they made the playoffs, but they were like already a lot better. They had a Norris trophy guy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that if I was the Bruins, I think that's the pitch I'd throw right now is like, look, go be distracted by the Celtics for a while. We're just going to do some business here and we're going to build you another 20 year dynasty that never you know, runs out because you've got mm. an insane amount of guys that you can go out and trade for value. Marshand and Pasternak could both get you a King's ransom. Um, you know, I'm sure there are other guys on that roster. Craig Smith, I think is a very, very good. Um, or at least he's one of those guys that's like very forgettable, but is constantly talked about as like such a good winger, you know, yeah. and, um, <laughs> Taylor Hall, you know, probably, can't trade he's got part of no movement clause but you can obviously still trade to brusque and i'm sure you could get something for eric Howla and like you know you could really tear this thing down to the studs and and build something here uh, you know Grizzlick would be a guy you could get a ton for i think um, mike riley another guy like there you could get a lot and really like just jump start a rebuild immediately um but here's the problem. They can't do any of that with Don Sweeney because the dude can't draft. I am confident I could draft better than Don Sweeney just by accident. <laughs> like this guy had, if you, I don't know how much you've listened to hockey podcasts this week. I can't quote all the numbers exactly, but like his record with first round picks is like humiliating. It's like That's not embarrassing. Good. Um and granted, most of those for the Bruins have been in the late teens or 20s, you know, but like the Blues have been mostly in that space in the last two decade. And they've mm-hmm. gotten guys like Robert Thomas and, you know, even guys like, um, who am I trying to think of? Even like the Quim Costin, like Quim Costin has made the NHL. He's played in it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, guys like, uh, Jake Neighbors and, and Zach Bolduc, who, by the way, had a, a killer season. And I know it's the QMJHL, but it's still a very impressive season. Mm-hmm. Um, those guys look like they're likely NHLers, but Neighbors pretty much guaranteed, I think, next season. Like, um, there's, you know, and I, I think the Blues are, you know, fortunately an organization on the opposite end of that spectrum who draft extremely well. Um, mm-hmm. But like, you know, that's still compare and contrast. Look at some of the guys that even Tampa is getting um, as has gotten and has developed, you know, like 
maybe they're good at drafting and terrible player development, like whatever it is, there's something seriously wrong. And, and it's hard to do. It's hard to say, yeah, we're going fully into a rebuild without like addressing whatever that is. But at the same time, you can't tell me like, I'm all, I'm all, all for like, Oh, we don't think David Pasternak's going to resign. So we've got to trade him. Like, I get that. That's, I would advocate for that with almost any blues player. I'm advocating for it actively with Vladimir Tarasenko. Like if you don't think he's going to resign here, or you don't think you're going to resign him, you cannot keep him for a full season just for the vanity of having him and trying to make a deep playoff run, especially when you already did that with Alex Petrangelo and, um, Jaden Schwartz and, and a number of other people, you know, like you've got to get whatever futures you can for him and Pasternak, you could get half a team for. So like that's, you can, I'm all for saying like, okay, we are literally in a situation where we have got to trade this guy, but don't do that. And then say, and we still expect to be the Bruins next year. Cause you're right. not gonna, you know? So um, I think the way they handled Cassidy is humiliating. I think he's immediately one of the best coaches on the market. Um, it would be interesting if the Blues hadn't extended Baruby to see if they looked at this goalie or this head coach market right now, because there are some insane names out there. Um, and, uh, you know, we're not obviously going to go after any of them. And, you know, I, as much as I personally am not Craig Ruby's biggest supporter, I can't sit here and be like, and that's stupid because he's been <laughs> very good. You're in a very successful at least. Um, but, you know, it is kind of an interesting situation that we find ourselves in. Um, let's talk a little bit about the fact that today is um, the anniversary of the Blues winning the Stanley Cup three years ago. Um what we day. went blues day that is still obviously one of the fondest days in my memory mm-hmm. um you know it's 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 crazy to believe that it's been three years and it also feels like it's been much much longer right i, I think it feels like it's been much longer to me just maybe because of the pandemic and everything like and times got all warpy and weird um feel like it's slowly getting back to normal but yeah that's that was also kind of like now for us, for blues fans, like kind of one of the um, last moments of like normalcy and everything. I'm so glad they won it right before all that crap too. But um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely like one of the fondest like days of my life, one of the fondest like periods of my life, like especially I think in it, it was a lot of fun. Um, I think looking back on it even more so it's just like one of those things where one of my favorite things about just like playoffs in general for like any sport really is like the further you go like the like bigger the story becomes in the city and so all of a sudden it's like it's the whole thing it's just what's it's just what's happening especially in like a city like st louis where no offense st louis where there's not that much else like going on in terms of like big things so it's like when the cardinals of the blues get into the third round or obviously even like the finals it's like it's a huge deal I still remember like going into a meeting the day after like the hand pass happened 
and people talking about it in this meeting, people that like I didn't even think would care about hockey. And uh -huh. then they and then they quickly switched like after five minutes into like, well, you know, okay, so like, you know, we got to talk about this project and blah, blah, blah. And in my brain, I was like, we cannot speak about what happened yesterday and then just be like, well, let's move on. Because I'm sure for all of you, it's let's move on. The blues is getting booted out. You're like, ah, it was fun. And then you go right back to doing whatever you do in your life. For me, this is catastrophic. <laughs> this is something yeah. I can't. All I, that's all I'm thinking about today. And I'm glad that other people are, <laughs> people are talking about it though. So yeah, but I just remember all this, like, like it was permeated every part of like your life and, and the whole city. And it was amazing. And I, I think to me, that's almost one of the things I'm looking the most forward to, like when they go on another like deep run, um, it's just like that feeling again, like, like I think you've said before, it's never going to be like the first time, the first time is the first time, but like, I think it will always be like that fun ride and uh -huh. I, I yeah I, I think that's what I I enjoy the most what I miss the most about it and everything and that's what I, I remember the most about it too and then especially like just going into those um those games in the stadium where it's empty because they're playing in Boston and they're they're playing on the Jumbotron and like even in my head I remember thinking going into those because I think it went to like two I was like well there'll be people here there'll be a lot of people but it won't be like sold out and it was like sold out it was the entire stadium filled with people i didn't even i don't even see that at like regular home playoff games like there's still some seats that aren't filled and it was like these were completely full away games inside of enterprise and it was it was just crazy to see yeah it was it was such a you know kind of a crazy insane run um and I think I'm almost in like a middle phase where it's like it's fully set in now, which it didn't for like a long time. But like it's almost gotten to that point where it's kind of like, yeah, I get it. It was a cool run. The boys won the Stanley Cup. Not that it's not that I'm like that emotionally numb to it, but like, you know, it's sort of very understood. And I think it'll get to a point in five years or 10 years down the line, or maybe when I'm sharing the story with hopefully kids or whoever, it's like it's going to come back all back again about like just just the utter insanity of how they did it, you know, the experiences of them doing it, the, the stops along the way, the game seven in Dallas, the hand pass, the Carl Gunnarsson goal, um, mm -hmm. you know, the Bennington save, like whatever memories you have individually, you know, all of that um, is, you know, just an incredible like footnote on on kind of you know the the popular the the big picture which is the blues winning their first stanley cup um but you know it's it's still like looking back such an just absurd story um, i think sometimes i think that it's i know that winning the stanley cup's hard like i remember we've always talked about after you get to like round three you're already like we're only halfway there they like i feel like nine years have been taken off my life and we're only halfway there but part uh -huh. of me does think because it's been so recent that in my that there is a part of me that feels like winning the Stanley Cup is quote unquote easy. It's mm -hmm. not easy, but if you're like, well, they've done it now. So now it feels achievable. But I think you're right. I think the longer it goes, and I mean, I would like them to win a Stanley Cup in the next 10 years. I think if you're a betting man, that's that's not likely just because there's 32 teams and you need a lot of luck and what have you. So like we'll just say like in 10 years they haven't won another Stanley Cup. 
I think the longer it goes, the more it feels like a drought again, then you can really start to feel like the whole like, oh man, that is hard. This is, this is extremely hard. And then you can almost look back on their win in 2019 with even more reverence of like, man, now I'm starting to remember how hard this is. I can't fathom how they did it <laughs> anymore. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's going to be, hopefully it's not too long until the boys do it again, but I hope whenever they do, we, we recognize what we have and, and celebrate it as we'll we'll much as we celebrated this one. Bearded Robert Thomas when he's 38. That's right. Team. <laughs> Ian, I've just stumbled upon uh, Connor Ingram, the, you know, the goaltenders hmm. um, yeah. Twitter account. And uh, he's hilarious. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't know this, but um, just reading through some of his recent tweets, give me one good reason. We shouldn't just call lasagna meat cake. Uh, is one of them. Uh, he says, a first dance at a wedding seems like a nightmare. It's like people singing you happy birthday for three and a half minutes, <laughs> which, which cool. I think, how does that, does that feel accurate, Ian? Does that... I think because we had, because we had a choreographed routine. You were just focused I was on able to focus on steps. Yeah. I was, yeah. for some reason, I was real nervous the whole time we practiced that. And then when we were there, I was like, this is, I don't care anymore. This is fine. That's, but yeah, I think I think for me, yeah, if you just went up there and you just kind of did like the slow back and forth and everything, I'd be like, okay, this yeah. you got it, got it. Yeah, exactly. Dump it, trash Dump it, it trash it. <laughs> this one's garbage. Uh, he retweeted NHL draft bot. They tweeted, with the fourth overall selection in the NHL draft, the Nashville Predators are proud to select Greg Goldberg from the Mighty Ducks. And he said, been a good run, y'all. God bless. <laughs> <laughs> It's 2022. I feel like I should be able to take my prescription pills in gummy form by now. Um, so, right. and then finally, I'll read this last one. Eric Church in Milwaukee tonight. I'm about to prove you can Dougie to anything. Um, <laughs> You'll just Dougie to anything. Uh, all right. All right. Sorry. This is, this is gold. I followed him. So hopefully Ian, you'll stumble upon these tweets on our account. He's pretty funny. So uh, yeah. So great memories for the blues. Um, And now it's time to talk about a little bit about what the blues shall do going forward because Doug Armstrong had a press conference. Uh, Doug, Doug Rutherford has had <laughs> Jeremy Rutherford has had now, I believe two mailbags. I don't know if you've glanced through the second one yet, um, but um, a lot to start to unpack for the off season. And we'll be doing that for the next seven or eight weeks or so, I'm sure. But um, going through Armstrong's, press conference first he was asked would you like to bring David Perron back next season he said I sure would I feel like I've been here a long time and he preceded me he's been in and out over that term but when I got here he was here back in what 2008 he's been around a long time he's a hell of a player he fights father time better than anyone which is a weird 
compliment, but also an insult kind of. Yeah. I'm like, you're old, but you're doing pretty good. But with you're it. a really good old guy. That's right. <laughs> Better than 95 to 99% of the NHL. It's all that CBD he's doing. He probably can't. <laughs> That's probably illegal. Um, what he did this year was spectacular. The injury he sustained in Chicago was nerve wracking for everyone involved when he got back in here. Uh, he showed what he can do down the stretch and into the playoffs. He's a very good player. More importantly, better person. I've seen him grow, become a husband and a father because he used to be a ratty little shit is what you're implying. Um, <laughs> he he used to be a piece of shit, but he's not right. anymore. His, um, his hair slips back real nice. Oh, it really slips back real nice. Sloppy steaks down at Tony's. Um, he uh, is, I see, or Armstrong continued to say, I see the influence he has on our younger players because he won't shut up. They <laughs> see the competitiveness he has on a daily basis. He's a true pro and been a very good St. Louis blue. If we can make it work out, I'd love to. I love that final sentence. Like if we can do it, I don't know. I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to gush about him for a minute and a half, but if, mm-hmm. I don't know. Who knows? I mean, David, there's, there's never been anything more certain than that. David Perron will be back. Next right. I, he's going to sign. I don't know. What do you, think i think like maybe three by three or something like that um yeah i mean i'm, I'm sure they'd probably it's 34 i'm sure they probably don't want to do four years so they probably yeah. do three two by four maybe to uh, you yeah. know like but like it's going to be very reasonable very manageable a lot less than he could probably get on the free agent market um and he's going to stay here for the rest of his career as far, you know, barring unforeseen circumstances. Uh, can you see a scenario where Perron, Letty, and Huso could all return this summer? I wouldn't say no, Armstrong <laughs> says, but I wouldn't say yes. Uh, we're going to go to work. That's our job to try to find a way to bring as many good players into the organization, whether they are here or from the outside. The salary cap is the cap. Everybody knows the numbers. If we can make it work, we will. We're just we're not just throwing our hands up in the air and saying we can't bring anyone back. That's not how the St. Louis Blues have operated, and that's not how we're going to operate moving forward. We're going to try the best we can to put on the best team next year. Um, that's a very political answer. There's no way all three of those guys. Yeah, right. like uh i would i'd be floored if billy Huso came back um and i'd be kind of surprised if nick Letty came back only because i think they're probably going to try and do something bigger on the left side on the top right. four um so uh but yeah i definitely can't see all three returning yeah i don't think there's any chance um, and then this is kind of the big one. What about Vladimir Tarasenko? He said, I thought Vladdy had a really good year. Big time players score big time goals. And I think what we saw this year was a healthy Vladimir Tarasenko. Even when he's not scoring, the other team is nervous. When he's on the ice in any game or playoff series, he's a circled player. If he's not scoring, it opens up opportunities for other guys. I thought Vladdy had a really good regular season. I thought he was a player we counted on the playoffs and we always have, and he always delivers. I'm not concerned about Vladdy for next year at all, he says, which is a very interesting right. conclusion. So, it seems like no one was able to like really, I think they Rutherford addresses it in one of his questions, but like seems like there's a couple different interpretations. Some people thought they he wasn't worried at all, like, oh, they'll resign him. No problem. Some people said he wasn't worried at all because he's just like, well, we don't really, you know, this is the end for him here. So we're just gonna, you know, keep him here, obviously, and not trade him. So I'm not really worried about re-signing him because we're just not going to do it sort of thing. Um, 
he and then Armstrong kind of had a whole thing where he was talking about how he didn't he didn't like how the media he wasn't like talking to these guys or just in general he's like you know like the royal we or you he's like oh he loves Doug Armstrong loves bitching about the media yeah he does not like I don't he I definitely don't think he likes national hockey media like 100% hates it and Mm -hmm. he basically was just like you know I don't like how people are always focusing on like what's going to be happening like after next year, basically talking about like the O'Reilly contract and the Tarasenko contract is like, you know, that's next year. And like, I think he's, I don't know, I'm paraphrasing, but he pretty much talks about like, I don't, I can't worry about that. I, it's about next year and how we're going to improve and be better. And like, we, we can't, I can't look at, you know, you guys want to look at stuff like more than a year from now and that's not how we operate sort of thing. And, and I know he's, yeah, that's what I mean. I know he's like, just trying to, tell them he basically just saying i don't want to talk about that crap is more or less what he that's that's his honest answer i just don't want to talk to you guys about that but the way he says it i'm like but that's a like you said like that's a lie because you (laughs) you have to be thinking about three four five years from now i get like you might think as a gm well i'm not going to be here then but you also can't like just completely obliterate your team you know (laughs) shoot yourself in the foot saw Uh, up and be like well i thought about this year i didn't really think about how we're going to be 20 million over the cap next year. Ah, shit, yeah. You know, so he's, he's definitely thinking signed about for it. what 25, 26. Yeah. Like he's got like every four, multi-year yeah. deal you move in or out is like affects your long-term picture and mm-hmm. come on, like you've got Thomas and Cairo do huge extensions and Ryan O'Reilly do an extension and Vladimir Tarasenko at also a UFA. Like, you're not not thinking about that, dude. Like, come on. Like, that you would be a yeah. nut job to not be thinking about that. He, That's almost an answer where you're, like, pleading, you're protesting too much. Because it's like, if you're honestly not thinking about that, you're bad at your job. Right. <laughs> and I know uh, you're not. So, yeah. like, I'm not worried about it fundamentally. Well, he's like, able to give, like, the, soft, like, super softball answers on those other two questions, you know, in his press conference. So, I'm like, dude if you don't want to answer it that's fine i get it you maybe you haven't talked to ryan o'reilly enough you don't know what his number is you you haven't talked you know just be like you can just say oh we'd love you know we'd love to get something worked out you yeah. know or we yeah we're gonna try our best to work something out and we'll see how it goes you know that's kind of further down the line but yeah we're, we're definitely gonna like figure that out or something like that's all you gotta that's all you gotta say but instead <laughs> instead he's been burned by national media one too many times somehow and now he's like he's got a vendetta against them he's like man i hate people talking about the blues people need to shut up about the fucking st louis blues that's my team you need to shut the hell up there's there's people does it blow your mind so kind of on the upper side of the spectrum they'll talk to elliot friedman and he'll be like yeah i had a gm text me and i'm like gms are gms are like i'm watching this game right now and tampa's scoring at well you know what gotta whip out my phone i'm fucking uh jim nil and I gotta be like, dude, Elliot, this shit is crazy. <laughs> and, I'm like, and I'm like, why are GMs just texting Elliot Friedman like they're good pals? That's the weirdest thing to me that like Bill Zito is like, Elliot, hey, my man, like what the fuck's going on? You got some, you got some dirt for me? Because like Doug Armstrong was the opposite. Elliot Friedman texts Doug Armstrong. Doug Armstrong is like breaking his phone in half. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. He doesn't is- like he doesn't like leaks. It is weird to me, like a good, I guess, for him. I'm cool with it, but like it's kind of weird to me that like there are people, GMs who are like friendly with Elliot mm-hmm. Friedman. Like I would just kind of assume 
that you think they'd all try to keep them a little bit of arm's length just has like an adversarial relationship you know right um but they don't apparently so um that's what i mean is like i sort of get what our i get doug armstrong's view it's just weird that yeah there's other people have like a complete opposite they're like oh yeah Elliot, we're looking we're looking to trade a couple people this year and it's like really you're just gonna like tell them that like you're just like you just open for business okay neat i would think they would need to he'd be needing to talk to like the third string scout who heard from the you know, equipment manager who heard David Perron's wife say that, yeah, they're going to sign a contract. So when he's like on 32 thoughts, he's like, yeah, I've got some sources that are telling me instead of like, yeah, GM just straight up said, they have a pastor next call. <laughs> <laughs> like, cool. It's good for us. But like, just weird. Just a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Okay, so those were Armstrong's answers. Yeah, to... I was just say you might want to because we were just talking about Tarasenko. We might want to start with this. Oh God, how many do I have? Like the second and third of these three um, okay. JR all questions because right. they covered Tarasenko. All right, all right, all right. Here we go. Uh, I'll read them both, and then we can talk about it a little more. Yeah. Um, regarding Tarasenko remaining a blue next season, this is from Tim P. I'm going to assume it's Tim Peel. Yeah, this is Tim um, Armstrong said, I'm not concerned about Vladdy for next year at all. This has multiple interpretations. Not concerned that Tarasenko will be on the Blues next year, or not concerned about Vladdy because his trade value is higher and they can move him. Those are both the same connotation, pretty much, Tim. Uh, although Tim Peel, I wouldn't expect much more from. Any insight <laughs> as to what Armstrong meant by this? Uh, he said, I may be in the minority, but I asked Armstrong that question. And when he gave that response, my initial reaction was that he's not worried about the situation at all because Tarasenko will either be back and they'd expect him to play well again. Or if both sides decided that a trade was the route they were going, the Blues would come out of that in a lot better shape than a year ago. Yeah, the reason I said that I may be in the minority is because I heard a lot of folks say that it meant Tarasenko is gone for sure, or he's back for sure. I could be wrong, but I don't feel like Armstrong was hitting at any particular outcomes with his response that day, which I actually agree with, but let me go ahead and read this one as well. Do you think there's an argument to be made that trading Tarasenko might be in the best interest of the team and not just the player? He certainly would be missed, but I think that some of the parts that salary could replace might raise some of the roster's weak wings. Um, I do think it could be in the best. Oh, that was from Clay S. Um, so I'm assuming that's, um, I don't, there aren't that many people named Clay. So um, Francis Clay, the former mayor of St. Louis, his first name ends in an S. So let's assume it's him. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think it could be in the best interest of the Blues to trade Tarasenko now, but not solely for the reason you laid out. Yes, if they traded him this summer and freed up 7.5 million salary, they could use that money to help the defense. See Letty or anyone better than Nick Letty. <laughs> All right, I'm not. I'm going to finish reading and then I'm going to go on this rant. Goaltending, see who so also no, and the fourth line. It's hard to give up a player who had 34 goals and 82 points last season to fill those holes. But yes, if you balance the offense come through again next year, you could be okay. But if I'm listing reasons to trade Tarasenko that are beneficial to the team, number one is that his trade value will probably never be higher. With the season Tarasenko had and having just one year left on his deal, this 
this is an argument I can get behind. Armstrong could realistically get something for him this summer, whether it's a player or a package of players or combinations of assets that clear up some cap space. The problem is that the Blues may not be as strong of a contender without him, but if he leads after the 2022-2023 season for nothing, at least they were able to capitalize on his value. And you never know. Like you said, maybe they are able to fill some holes and have a better chance than we think. Okay, so a lot of... A lot of things here. I'm just going to ramble for a moment and then let you talk, Ian, which I hate doing, but I'll do it. Um, <laughs> first of all, I don't think Armstrong was tipping his hand with the answer he gave. I think he mm-hmm. was saying, like, I think he was saying exactly what JR said he was saying. Like, we're in a perfect position with Tarasenko. If he comes back, we've got 100% confidence that he's healthy and we'll be a great asset to his team. And, and if, if we do want to move him, we have hundred percent confidence that he'll fetch a King's ransom on the trade market. Like, I think that's what he was saying basically. So I agree with that, that there wasn't some sort of deep nefarious connotation uh, to what he was saying there. Um, mm-hmm. Secondly, if we trade Tarasenko to bring back Weddy and Huso, fuck this franchise. And we're not gonna. But like you can't bring back Huso. Huso, I I have I have pretty strong feelings about Letty too, but Huso has to be gone. You cannot pay nine plus million dollars for goaltending when you're already paying um 18 million dollars 19.5 million dollars to your top three on defense and they're not that good you can't pay 27 million dollars of your cap or 28 or 30 to your goalie tandem and three defenders who do not make a top four like a good like an elite level top four that's not how you build a healthy team and i know that we're all thinking, hoping that the cap is going to explode out of COVID, but we hope that going into next season too, when we had another COVID pause. So like things mm-hmm. are still uncertain. You can't be counting on that. And I love Billy Huso, but this is part of why I advocated for trading him so much at the deadline is because like you can't bring him back and make one of the most expensive goalie tandems in the league, especially if you're not going to have a tandem if, if neither goalie is going to be any better than they were this season. And part of the problem with Huso was he wasn't good for the last month of the season and the playoffs. Like you could bring him back, but why is bringing him back for 3.5 million a season or 3 million a season any better than bringing in Braden Holtby for two or, or Yarrow mm-hmm. Lock for two or whoever? Like you, you definitely have to let him walk. Like just that because there's make... going to be teams that are going to offer him so much more than you should be willing yeah. to keep him for. Yeah. Um, so that's number one. Number two, Nick Letty, like he was good here, but like how how is his situation not screaming Marco Scandella to everyone else? Because it certainly is to me. A veteran who was complete afterthought that we traded for at the deadline that immediately fit in and looked okay. And then we make a, a, a boneheaded decision to extend him. And then he fucking sucks like mm-hmm. right away. Like I just, I, it's nothing against Nick Luddy, but to me, it's like, you got, you, you wanted a rental at the deadline. You got a cheap rental at the <sighs> deadline. Just let it be that mm-hmm. Armstrong has this like compulsive need to, keep guys that he brings in he doesn't want to ever have a rental and it's like okay but that's actually self-destructive yeah it's like like his signings are not 
white. His extensions are not his strong suit. You cannot, neither is a suit suit, which is actually <laughs> true. He wears some god awful suits. <laughs> um, but you cannot, you cannot go into next season thinking Pareko, Letty, Falk, and Krug are going to carry you anywhere as a top four. And you certainly can't pay for Letty to be in your bottom pairing to pay what mm. you'd have to pay to keep him. So like, you gotta let him walk. Like, I know he, you probably like him and he did look good here, but he didn't look game changing and there are better options. And if you're going to go trade for Jacob Chikrin or whoever else, um, go do that. You know, <laughs> like don't right. mess around with Nick Letty. Well, um, that kind of feeds into the the other, the final question I put up there that Jr. Okay. gets. All right. Um, I'll make, well, where is it? Oh man, that's a long one. <clears throat> we'll go through this with cap space at a premium. Who did the blues, uh, swap to get a top four defenseman or did they go with the same group last year? Uh, is there enough money to bring back Nick Waddy, Chris P, which I'm assuming is pronger, um, <laughs> who's vying to get a shot back in the top four for St. Louis. <clears throat> regarding Waddy, and I've written this before, it depends on what he wants. At 31 years old, this could be his last big contract. He's coming off a seven-year deal with a 5-5 AAV and just spitballing here. He could probably still get $4 million or more. That's insane! No is the Not answer. Not from this team. Not from this team. No is the answer. Why are you? That no is the answer. <laughs> Any more, though, might be too much for the blues. That's too much for the blues. That, oh, okay. All right. All right. I'm going to read this. Uh, who have about $10 million in projected cap space for next season and still want to re-sign Perron. They, could they give Letty some extra term? Ah! <laughs> Don't worry. It'll get better. I promise it gets better. Perhaps. And get him at a favorable price. It depends on how much he liked his situation in St. Louis and whether he prioritizes comfort over cost. If they re-sign Luddy and plan on playing him with Pareko and they have Tori Krug and Falk in the second pair, you've got Scott Perunovic, Marco Scandella, Nico Miko, and Robert Fortuso making up the third pair. The continuity in the top four there could definitely be attractive. Why? I asked our show about that at the end of the... You're telling me this gets better. It gets better. At the end of the year, I realized entries were the reason for a lot of the mixing and matching this season, but they can't go into a season hoping for guys to fill roles. Continuity is good, Armstrong told me. Ah, For the players on the ice, they understand what you've played with someone long enough. We've, We've seen that with David Perron and Ryan O'Reilly, that sixth sense of knowing where a guy is going to be. If it's not Letty, they'll have to get someone for that same spot. Arizona's Jacob Chikrin, Phillips, Ivan Provorov, someone. Pareko needs a regular partner. Uh, If I had to bet, I don't think the Blues will come back with the exact same group. Oh, God. That last sentence was not a strong sorbet (laughs) for the rest of what I read. Four million a year for Nick Letty. Are you out of your frigging mind? Or going to four years to bring it down to like three point six? Oh, kill me! I'd rather die. I'm. You sorry. have you have to get rid of if you do that. Even though I don't like it, you have to get rid of Marco Scandella. He can't oh still be God. here. Like, you can't I, be paying a you can't be paying a third pairing, possibly seventh defenseman that much money. I like. I didn't even have a problem with Nick Letty, but like. Come on, guys. What are we talking about? 
he's been terrible for three seasons metrically. And yeah, you can say some of that was on um, on the Red Wings, but it wasn't all on the Red Wings. And the I, I don't remember what the Islanders paid, but I'm sure they basically paid to get rid of him. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just such a, it's like. I also feel like he doesn't fit to me. Like if you're playing with Pareko, what what offense are you getting from the defense at this point? You're getting like Krug and Falk, and I guess Prunovich when you throw in the power play, but like you have a pairing now that's your top pairing is Letty Pareko. Like that's a, uh-huh. that's an offensive dead zone, and like I know that's that's not necessarily what they have to do, but I'm like I need more two way. I need someone that they can play with Pareko where Pareko can just be like, hey man, you can hang back. You ain't gotta you ain't gotta be the offensive threat here. Like Nick Letty doesn't fit that. I feel like it throws. I don't know. It worked in the playoffs, but I think it throws like the whole top six out of whack. Like him, just his, who he is, who he isn't. Yeah. Um, I just put his three year chart below the answer we just read through. Look mm-hmm. how bad that is. It's so bad. Yeah, that's not, it's not great. It's a lot of red, a lot of red posts. Um, I just like, it's, uh, fortunately, I don't think it's a very Doug Armstrong move. But it's a very like beta weird move to be like, um, well, we need help on left-handed defense, but Nick Letty's already here, so it should probably be him. Mm-hmm. Um, that's just wild to me. And for we need me, a left-hand, we need a left-hand defenseman. We have a left-hand defenseman at home. Yeah, exactly. That's literally we already have Jacob Chikrin at home. Um, <laughs> that's a meme that will be coming to our twitter uh before this podcast is published probably but yeah like i don't even i don't even like jacob chikrin that much compared with what he's gonna cost but like give me that over nick Weddy 15 times a day especially when his contract is like would be similar to what jr is talking about paying friggin nick Weddy. Right, like this. What is it? It's some like absurdly low cap hit, isn't it? Four point six yeah. million. Good God! But yeah, I mean, like you're you're talking paying four million to Letty or four point six to Jacob Chikrin. Oh, and Ivan Provorov. I think Provorov's the sleeper in all this because I think his, I think he's going to cost a thousand times less than Letty or than oh, and you, oh, and you can mess with that. Like, if you're like, how do I get Ivan Provorov? The GM in Philly is Chuck Fletcher. Oh, yeah. I, you can I, bend that dude over a barrel. I, Ian, I'm somewhat confident Chuck Fletcher would do Provorov for Tarasenko one for one. Like, like mm. do you do you not believe that that's possible? Because I certainly believe that. Oh, I, oh, I think he would. He's um a- I'm not even saying that makes sense unnecessarily, but like I could completely see him doing that. Um, we could give him one person. We could give him one player and he'd give us pro Rob and picks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <clears throat> I, I don't know what the boys will do, but I hope it's not just settle for bringing back Buddy and who so, because again, it's like, it's that same conversation we had earlier. It's like, were we the best challenge Colorado has faced so far? Sure. Are we as good as Colorado? Absolutely not. And are we anywhere near as good as the Tampa Bay Lightning? Of course not. 
And like, I'm not saying you can be the best team in hockey all, all the time. And there were teams that were better than us the year we won the cup. And to a certain extent, you just need to, to be in the dance and give yourself a chance. And we're doing that already. Mm -hmm. But like, if you want to compete for cups, you can't settle for like marginal moves. You got to, you got to be creative. And fortunately, I think Doug Armstrong is typically more creative than uh, the sports media or even the Twitter people. I mean, who saw us getting Pavel Buchnevich for a friggin' Sammy boy in a second round pick? Like um, that sort of stuff is, is, you know, kind of his wheelhouse. And I hope he does that again. Um, I think it could be really interesting because I think we could go get a, a big, um, a big name free agent or big name trade piece. And then also flip Tarasenko to recoup some of the futures, you know, and even if that's not defense, that could be a Matthew Kachuk or something, or even, you know, I'm not saying it's likely, but even a David Pasternak, like you could trade a huge trade package for one of those guys, knowing that you can then trade Tarasenko and get back a couple of, you know, first round level mm-hmm. assets and, and, you know, come out mostly even on your, um, in your like pipeline and, you know, upgrade from Tarasenko or whoever to Kachuk or, or Pasternak, which I'm not saying as a direct upgrade player to player, but contract to contract, age to age, you know. Right. Etc. I mean, I think both of those players are also slightly better than Tarasenko, but like, I'm not trying to demean Tarasenko by any means, um, you know, but anyway, I think it'll be a, a really interesting fun off season. This isn't one of the ones where I'm like, eh, we're probably going to make a couple moves around the margins and, and, you know, live with that. I think right. we'll probably make some fairly significant adjustments because as much as Doug Armstrong might suggest otherwise he definitely knows full well that he has a, a contract cliff at the end of this season and he's got a he's got to position his roster like marco scandela cannot be here after next season so he might as well not be here after this season <laughs> like you know like there there's some things you got to do to keep right. from because like even if you even if you let o'reilly walk which i think would be insane like you still are gonna owe Cairo and thomas both north of 8 million you'd think mm-hmm. and and you know that's a huge chunk of your salary cap so um it's been interesting i guess anything else you, to you have thoughts on about the blues or anything in life no not really okay. no i mean i i think it'll be interesting i think they're gonna have to do something on defense i think armstrong knows that and the, i think there's like you said a numerous routes they can go with that when it comes to like Trade and Tarasenko getting picks that they can then flip to something, you know, flip for something else or start somewhere else, uh, recoup them the other way. But yeah, it's 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 interesting. They're kind of back to the wall a little bit with defense, but I think he's creative enough to be able to actually help this team out, which which is exciting. Yeah, I think so. I agree, and I'm looking forward to this off season. I just want it to start, please. Give mm-hmm. me draft day, please. What is draft day? I should probably know that. Uh, like a NHL week of draft day. Is it? Sweet. It's on. I'll, it'll, I'll be in St. Louis for that. So we can oh, watch sweet. that together. Um, nice. Ah, man, I'm really excited now. All right. So um, 
and well, not until then, because we'll probably speak <laughs> before then, do a podcast before then. But any final thoughts? Where are you on the staircase, by the way? Um, an uh, uh, owl theory has been introduced. Introduced. Okay. All right. Yeah. All right. I love Only that they introduced. got Scully from Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Yeah. It took me a hot sec. I was like, I know this guy. I know this yeah. guy. I know this guy. So when you say introduced, you're saying they haven't gotten to the part yet where they conclusively prove that the Alps Harry was true. <laughs> uh, no, I'm okay. greatly looking forward. Don't spoil this for me, but I'm greatly looking forward to, no, I'm not gonna look at your face. I'm greatly looking forward to the uh, third death of this poor woman in a staircase where I get to see a CGI owl attacker. <laughs> Maybe it's not CGI. And who knows? Oh, they trained an owl. They said, listen. Yeah. They got it. They got that Albert played Hedwig. He's very good. <laughs> no one explained why it was a snowy owl when a very specific northern, like North Carolina barred owl was the actual it's culprit. Harry Potter's yeah. owl. Yeah. <laughs> is that Hedwig? We, look, we only have we only got like three trained owls. Right. The other two were very busy. It is kind of crazy to me. Like I, I get it. Animal rights. I'm, I love animals and all that. But when like the dog actors have names and stuff, and they're like, "Oh, this was Poppy. He's been an X, Y, and Z." And I'm yeah. like, "Very cool." But also, he's a dog. <laughs> he doesn't <laughs> know that, what he's doing. But that dog, that dog probably got like 15 um, good boy biscuits for being in that movie. And now, and that's his rate. That's they gotta even if he's in another movie, even if he does a bad job, they gotta give him that other 15 biscuits. So you know, (laughs) you know, Poppy thinks most of the things that he's in is like a giant cosmic gumbo. That's right. That's right. He says that moves to the beat of jazz. They joke about it on set. Now it's like cosmic gumbo. (laughs) Um Okay, uh, that we've gone far enough, Ian. You'll have to uh, you'll have to finish the show, and then mm-hmm. we can decide if you wanted if you want to do the documentary too. Then I say we save it and just do a whole like the whole, the whole staircase. Thing. Like that's just an episode. Two guys, one staircase. That's right. That's right. Now we we go to Durham. And oh, we'll definitely we'll definitely roll around in the. You staircase. think that house is still there, like untouched? That staircase. I mean, the blood, obviously. You can knock on the. You can knock on the door and just ask, <laughs> and they legally have to let you lay down. That's right. <laughs> Exactly. You know, um, I think I cracked it. I think she was actually laying the other way. Did they ever think about that? I don't think we did. It would be hilarious if somebody walked in and they were like, oh my God, I solved it. They, they like actually did. Um, ah, what a what a story. Um, is this staircase ever an escalator? Perhaps it was an escalator. <laughs> Have you considered the possibility that she was carrying dumbbells up the stairs? It was <laughs> owl mating season. Was there perhaps a second owl? <laughs> was there now who was offended that his owl husband was also bisexual maybe. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> and she took it out on this poor woman. You thought I was a bat? You son of a bitch. <laughs> not a bat, I'm, but goddamn owl. I'm not a vermin. I'm not a fucking weed. The I'm weed of the owl. sky. The weeds of the sky. That's what, that's what owls call bats. Um... <laughs> 
<laughs> well, this has gone completely off the rails, and I love it. But uh, we should probably bid adieu to the audience before we, you know, say something that will get us in prison right That's alongside weird. Michael Peterson, who, as far as Ian knows, is still there. Um, <laughs> I want him to enter this plea deal, and then they do a one. It's one of those cuts where you're like, oh, this is the end of the show, so it's the plea deal. And then they're like, the last scene is like, yeah, but then they rearrested him because of the other thing. And then it just ends, and you're like, what he went they threw him right back yeah that would be great or or if he just like was seen beating the hell out of someone at the end of it like what like they started this episode with them with what's his face the the um like in 20 present in 2017 the lawyer being like okay we're gonna practice this we're gonna say michael peterson is innocent and then it cuts the intro and then they can back in time and blah 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 and i'm so like oh and i'm like yeah but i know this is a plea deal so like he's yeah. innocent of being a racist but he did kill his wife we will talk to that and you can go free now <laughs> that's right oh man it's crazy to me how like um <laughs> You know, like I, I don't want—I don't want to dig into it too deep, but just like the two staircase thing, it like adds a whole nother layer of of, of like mystery mm. to it because it's like on the one hand, like obviously he killed them both, but what if the first one was an accident and the second one wasn't, or what if it's crazily somehow they were both accidents, or what if the first one was on purpose and the second one wasn't? Accident? Wouldn't, you, uh, so, wouldn't you almost want to admit to that if the second one happened and you're like, I, <laughs> oh no. This, I that, can one, o- that one I, was real. I'll, I can only get that. out of this if I cop to the first one. Yes, yes, it was. It was. And it's crazy. I feel so bad. But this was not bad. <laughs> German prisons are much nicer. So, yeah, go serve That's your right. time over there and, and be European. Um, folks, we got we to gotta close. We got to close up shop. It's been far too long. Ian's got stuff to do. He's got a house to paint drywall curtains to hang i don't know he's oh, got yeah, something I'm sure. um i'm sure he'll do something today as will i everyone will do something you're also about to go do something so whether you're in a car doing something or in your kitchen doing something on the couch doing something whatever you're doing you're probably uh scratching a scratching post because you're a small guy <laughs> And if you can't, you too should watch out for owls. That's right. Though that you especially should watch out for owls. Um, but whatever you're doing, I hope that you're doing it with a smile on your face and um love in your heart for you know Michael Peterson's children, because they didn't do anything wrong and well, their lives were pretty well, well, they might have, but <laughs> their lives were pretty significantly messed up by this. Uh, a prick even if he's not a murderer he's still a prick so you know um that's what i got uh we're gonna start talking now goodbye (laughs) see ya absolute fucking bullshit unprofessional bullshit